But in all honesty, we are in the month of November, and we are headed into the hunting season. And I know it's um, been on my husband's heart to hunt for men to follow God. And so as it challenges us all, I want to just open today with the month of November in mind. Now, Clarence Way wrote a wonderful poem about the weary hunter. You see, when you're fishers of men, you just put your line in the water and you hope and you can't really see and you're, you're kind of waiting and that's good and that works. But when you hunt for something, you go out looking. Right, Rip? You go out looking. You deliberately go out looking. Now, I'm not a hunter, but I've heard many hunter stories. And I know that it's not easy. And I know that you go out looking. And so with that in mind, for the month of November, I want you to just have an open heart and to receive what the Lord would have you to do with that. Now, we have a very special guest today. Aunt Jerry is here with us. And most of you probably know Aunt Jerry. And she is the only daughter of Ruth and Clarence Way. And so, Aunt Jerry, I'm wondering if I can kind of put you on the spot and ask a favor. I have a poem that is written by Pa, the Weary Hunter. Do you remember it? If you would read it, that would be better than if I would read it. Yep. Okay. Tonight I'm a tired, weary hunter. I've been on the pine stump all day, waiting in true hunter fashion for a horned buck to bound my way. Full many an hour I have waited, full many an hour in vain. But come the dawn of the morning, I'm going to try again. I would that men were as eager to search for the sheep gone astray as patiently won and win them back to that narrow way. The winning days soon will be over. The winter of judgment will come. I wonder if I will have trophies that the master may say, well done. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that you will bring this message clearly to mind today. Lord, I pray that you would be our number one choice. God, as we allow our minds to wander today, I pray, God, that we would be uh, directed back to your word and that you would uh, clearly speak to the heart of all of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. This week, I want to continue speaking on a topic that we started last week. We started talking about life's choices and uh, and the thousands and thousands and thousands of choices that we make on a daily basis. We just make more choices than we even can count. And how seemingly insignificant many of those choices are 
So we think. But all those little insignificant choices, do you know what they do over a lifetime? They make up your character. It's the little choices that you make that determine who you are. See, we often find ourselves thinking about the big decisions, the big choices as the defining moments in our life. But in all reality, the big decisions are only directly relational to the thousands of small ones that you make on a daily basis. You can't be different than what you really are. And what you really are is determined by your small choices. We become a product of our small choices, and then out of the culmination of all of them combined comes Mike Way, comes Rick Jakubowski, comes Rip Hankins, comes Bob Otterkirk. All of those little choices are the ones that make up who you are. See, and our true character is really made up when no one is around to see what we do. When no one really is there to see what my choices are, that's truly when my character is made. And we make the most of our choices. The small choices are those behind closed doors. That's what's so interesting about this crazy game called golf. Because it's a game of integrity. It's a game of calling your own fouls. It's a game of counting your own strokes. It's a game of crazy rules in many cases because it is so nitpicky on some things. But you know, when you really play the game of golf the way it's intended to play, it builds character in a person because it says, I'm not as good as I thought I was. Because I didn't make that shot as good and it's behind that tree and there's really nobody there watching. And I could either take a penalty stroke because I've got to hit it sideways or I could just kind of kick it with my foot. And all of a sudden I got a clear shot and nobody knows that I didn't take that stroke. Man, it's so tempting to do that. And yes, I have. Just so you know, I've cheated every once in a while. And I didn't feel good afterwards. <clears throat> so I tried to play the game. Now here, no, I'm not going to go there. Let's just keep moving on. We don't want to di digress that much. But Matthew chapter 15, verse 18 says something that's very important. It says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these defile them. <laughs> because our fleshly heart is not lined up with God's word until we make the conscious choice to line it up with God's Word. The heart is the seat of who we really are, and our small daily choices direct the heart. And so it is. That's who we become. That's why small choices are so important. We discussed last week six primary steps in living life according to a standard that would bring us to the point that we believe would be an important ending point. And that standard last week, we called it the Word of God. That is the standard that brings character into people that are pleasing to the Lord. Those six sets of standards, or those six sets of rules that we discussed, number one, you must know the standard. You must know the standard. If you don't know the standard, how can you be expected to live up to it? 
What is the standard? The Word of God. You must know God's Word and how it applies to your life. Number two, you must be committed to the standards. You must be committed to following God's Word. And what that means is put feelings aside, put your feelings aside that so often run our life, but put those aside for the moment and be committed to following the standards of God that make us holy like He's holy. But you have to be committed to that. Then number three, we must be willing to sacrifice at times in order to abide by the standard. We must be willing to sacrifice in order to abide by the standard. See, sacrifice, and this is a hard word for us, sacrifice is a required element of submission to a set of standards that are not our own. You hear that? That sacrifice is required to submit to a standards that are not our own. See, if I make up my own standards, sacrifice isn't required because I will make them so that I don't have to sacrifice. But if I follow God's word as my standard, I will guarantee you, you will have to sacrifice because your fleshly nature does not automatically, by default, line up with the word of God. So you're going to have to be committed to that. That's counting the cost of being a Christian. You're going to have to understand that you are going to have to submit to a set of standards that are not yours, and it's going to require a sacrifice. Number four, you must be willing to take responsibility for your choices. You must be willing to take responsibility for your choices. We talked about that's the primary reason we have so many divorces in this world. So many personal bankruptcies, so many people that are high in credit card debt, they can't get out because they're not taking responsibility for their own choices. Rather, they're blaming other people for their unhappiness. They'll blame their spouse because they're not fulfilled. The Bible doesn't say that our spouse fulfills us. The only thing that fulfills us is the Word of God and Jesus Christ. Yet we think we need to have more, so we get disappointed. And when we make poor choices, rather than taking responsibility for it, we blame others. And until I take responsibility for my own, for my own choice, there is no help for me. Nobody can help me when I'm always diverting the problem to somebody else. I can't be forgiven for my sin because I haven't acknowledged my sin. And so on. Number five, we must live with the conviction that I will not compromise the standards. I must live with the conviction that I will not compromise the standards. And to this world, this looks like foolishness. To this world, this looks like a, a person that doesn't know how to have fun. And what this is going to require from you is that you're going to have to be strong enough to go against the popularity standards of the world because you may not be the life of the party in the worldly perspective. But then number six comes along and it says, the result of all of these will be eternal life as I live to the standards. And eternal life begins right now. Eternal life begins today. The moment that I accept Jesus Christ in my life, I'm alive. I'm a new man. I'm a new, well, I'm not a new woman. You're a new woman. I'm just a man. Always will be. I promise you that. <laughs> I'm never changing that. But I'll be a new man. Okay? And eternal life begins today, and that becomes with fulfillment and purpose and joy and peace. I'm still going to have problems. I'm still going to struggle. 
But I'm going to be able to have a peace that endures all things that I don't understand where it comes from. And it will get me through the hard times in life because I've submitted myself to godly standards. So today I want to take this step. I want to go a little bit deeper. And I want, to, I want us to understand the importance of determining what our ending points are before we even begin the living process. We want to know what the end is before we even begin. Now, this seems like an obvious discussion, maybe, and, and that, may, that maybe we shouldn't even have to have it. But, but yet, as I look around and observe people, it's pretty obvious to me that we don't really understand that comment. We really don't understand what it is to look at our life with a goal in mind. Look at our life with a particular intention in mind, because we don't understand the importance, I don't believe, of the consequences that come with our actions. I don't understand. I, I don't think we really believe that, that what I do is going to cause a particular action. That somehow, if that action is not a good action, somehow it won't apply to me. Somehow I can work my way through that action and I won't have that outcome or that consequence. But I really believe that if people understood this morning the responsibility that they have for every action, that I believe that they wouldn't take some of the actions that they take. If you really understood, if you really believe the fact that if I do something, it's going to cause something else to happen. If I really believe that if I run through downtown at 55 miles an hour in a 25-mile-an-hour zone, that I'm going to get a speeding ticket. If I could understand that, I think we might make some different choices, don't you think? Don't you think that if you understood that, you might make a little different choice if you really believed it? Maybe we just don't see it that way sometimes. But I think we all can look at ourselves and and. Remember a time when, when we've finally gotten somewhere and we wanted to, we just maybe said to ourselves, how in the world did I get here? I mean, what in the world was I thinking? With all these problems, how did I get here? You ever thought about, have you ever asked yourself that question? Have you been ever in such a dilemma or such a quandary that you just don't figure it out? And how in the world did I get myself in this big mess? You ever thought about that? Wouldn't it be great if God had a great big undo button? Do you know what an undo button is? Anybody worked with a computer? Anybody done any word processing or anything with an Excel spreadsheet or a WordPerfect? An undo button is this. What, what that is, there's a little button on your keyboard that you can hit that, and it undoes what you just did, like you never did it. I love that button. Because what that allows me to do is, be to, is to do whatever I want to do creatively. And I look at it again and think, oh, that's not very good. Undo. It's gone. I love it. And then there's, here's a, there's also a redo button. Maybe, I thought, oh, maybe it wasn't so bad after all. So I hit the redo button and then boom, it's back. I love technology when it works. But wouldn't it be great? Yeah, when it works, right, Tony? But wouldn't it be great if God had this great big undo button? Imagine if he would have given us a year-long undo button. 
A year long. And anywhere down this year that I'm not liking where I'm going or I'm not liking the outcome that I'm seeing, I hit the undo button and somehow I'm back a year before and I have a chance to make the new decisions all over again. Wouldn't that be awesome? But we can't. So let's not even go there, right? God doesn't give us the ability to make an undo button. So what do we do with that? Here's the next best thing to do with that. Understand that the next action that you do, you will not be able to undo it. So think about it. (laughs) Think a little bit more before you do that action. Think a little bit more before you say that word. Before you say that comment to your spouse or to your loved one or to your boss. Think about it because you can't bring it back. Think about it before you hit that send button on Facebook. Think about it. Because once you send it, it ain't coming back. And you can't stop it. And you can't erase it. Now, the question is, if, if, if we really had the opportunity to hit an undo button, would we make the same mistake? And, I, and I'm wondering if, the reason I ask that question is because we seem to make the same mistakes over and over again, don't we? Even if we've potentially learned Why do we not learn from our mistakes? But anyway, so now I I believe we're getting into the area that really everybody lives in right now. All right? We are all living in the area of daily choices. No matter how small or how big the choices are, they're daily and they keep coming. And I'm wondering if we could just understand that we could figure out that we're going to be accountable to everything that we say. See, I look at those sitting in a church sometimes, and we're supposed to know better than that, but I wonder if we really believe God's word when it comes to actions and consequences. But you know, there's a coming day, folks, that we are going to have to give account for everything that we do and say. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Everyone. Who does that include? Is anybody exempt from everyone? Am I exempt? Are you exempt? Is the Pope exempted? Everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for, here's that word again, for every empty word. What is an empty word? Well, an empty word in the Greek is kinos, meaning useless, foolish, not having any meaning. Another translation says careless, meaning ineffective, idle, lazy. See, it's the words that are seemingly insignificant are the ones that we're going to have to give an account of. The words that don't really come up on the radar screen of big decisions are going to be the ones that I'm going to have to give account of. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything, there's that word again, everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Words mean a lot. Nothing in all creation is hidden. That, doesn't, that means nothing in all creation is hidden. Everything is uncovered. And we will have to give an account of everything. 
Nothing slips by God. Nothing. You know, I have a hard time keeping track of my keys. But God keeps track of everything going on in the universe. And nothing slips by Him. Nothing slips by God. Three things that we can't fathom that we're going to have to deal with later, whether we like it or not, are eternity, God's omnipresence, and God's omniscience. And why do those three words make a meaning to us different? Why do they mean something to us today? Because eternity is never-ending. God's omnipresence means he can be everywhere at all times. And God's omniscience means he knows everything. So when I look at those three words based upon the two scriptures that I just read, God is going to have an eternity to be with me because he can be everywhere at every place, just like he can be with you. And he knows everything about me, just like he knows everything about you. And we're going to have an eternity for God to discuss with us every idle word I've said. Think about that. God's going to say, Mike, we're not rushing through this one. I've got nothing else to do besides sit here and talk to you. Now let's talk. Let's talk about what happened in those 60, 70, 80 years that you lived down there. What were you doing down there with your time? What were you talking about? What were you doing? Let's just talk about it. Let's just have a cup of coffee and let's just talk about all this. Does that put a little fear into your life? Are there going to be any undo buttons that you could be wishing you could be undoing about then? So what do I do with this kind of a statement? I take it really serious. I really do. Does that mean I'm perfect? No. Not perfect. But why I take it serious is this. This is why I preach the Word of God's truth to the best that I can, uncompromisingly. I do it the best that I can. Am I perfect at it? No. But I will do the best that I can to take God's Word and try to get its intent, try to get its understanding, and then I recognize that I am just the messenger of it. And I just want to convey it to you. Because I want God to look down at me later in my life and say, Wow, Mike, you know all those words you spoke in the pulpit? That was right out of my word. Good job. You brought the right questions to the people. You brought the right challenge to the people. Now let me ask you, let's get down to where we're all living. Are you struggling in your life with a sense of hopelessness? Or are you having an identity crisis in your life of who you are? Maybe you don't think you're meaningful. Maybe you don't think that you have a purpose. But let me tell you, for the fact that God sees everything that you do, one day you're going to have a discussion with Him. One day you're going to sit before God Almighty and you guys are going to have a discussion that's just going to be you and Jesus. You and God, you and the Holy Spirit, however that looks, they're all going to be there together and they're all going to be in unity together and it's all going to be about you and him, you and them talking. And at that point, you can't bring mom and dad, you can't bring your spouse, you can't bring anybody else with you to be your advocate. At that point, it's just you and them and you're talking and you're expressing yourself. And see, and this alone gives me a sense of purpose in my daily choices. 
This alone will help me to know that what I do daily makes a difference because someday I'm going to give an account for it. Someday I'm going to discuss it with Jesus. So therefore, it's pretty significant. There's nothing insignificant when I'm going to discuss it with Jesus. Nothing insignificant. Everything I do. So therefore, it gives me a purpose in my life every day, even though I don't think I mean anything to anybody. Even though I think I'm invisible, that nobody cares about what I do, what I think, what I am, Jesus cares. And he cares because of the influence that you're creating on other people by your small choices. Last week we spoke about a verse, a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, and it says this, If anyone builds on the foundation of God, just paraphrase it a little bit. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because they will bring it to light and it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will, will suffer loss but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. It's kind of a dangerous verse because it almost gives us the sense that we can live just a good enough life and still get into heaven. Just good enough. I don't really care about my rewards, God, so therefore I'm just going to live good enough. And I know I'm not the judge here, but I would give a warning. I would give a sense of caution here that if that's your intention, be careful. Because the question is, what's good enough? What's good enough? God's Word says, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. I don't see a lot of compromise in God's Word when it says good enough. I just see all, all in, God. I'm all in for you. I am all in. I'm serving you with everything that I have. That's the godly way to go about this. All right, now what is the gold, the silver, the costly stones? Well, those are the things that last eternally. That's the time when God lays a burden on your heart for somebody and you intercede for them and you pray for them. You sacrifice for them. You share the gospel with them. You live your life in this world above reproach because you want to be a good example for them. Those are the precious things that are going to last. Those are the things that are going to be tested by fire and are going to last, and you're going to be rewarded over. What is the wood and the hay or the straw? Because when that's tested by fire, we know that's going to burn. That would be the things like, well, God, I'm too tired today to work for you. Uh, I don't feel like talking to that person about you today, Jesus. Um, I don't feel like going to church today, God. I, I don't feel like going to Bible study tonight. Um, I, I just want to do what I want to do, God. Come on, I'm really tired um, I don't believe that you'll give me energy for the day if I put you first. Um, God, I know that tenth, that tithe that I was supposed to give you. God, I just can't afford to give that to the church right now because if I give that tenth, I can't pay my bills. See, those are the things that when God puts the test of fire to that, he'll say, you didn't trust me, did you, Mike? You really didn't believe my word, did you? See, now I think we get, we're getting down to the, to the point here where I'm wondering if we're even going to have that conversation with the Lord. 
See, if we start getting down to those kinds of discussions in our life, I guess I would ask you, as I ask myself, am I really a Christian? I mean, if I'm struggling with some of these basic issues, am I really serving Jesus? Or am I serving a facade? Am I serving a religion? Am I serving a past intention? Or am I really serving the King of Kings? The God of the universe? Those are some big questions, people. Those are some big questions, and you need to ask them of yourself on a regular basis. See, where do we go now from here? Boy, I know the hour's getting late here. I think I'm going to stop. And I think I'll pick it up another time because there's too much to rush through. I I just want to challenge us all this morning with truly, what's your heart intentions? What's your heart's intent? Where are you this morning with Jesus Christ? Where are you when it comes to spreading the gospel? You know, I am so thankful that the Lord continues to work on people. He has given me a whole different viewpoint of some things in life over the past years, and really in the past weeks. God is changing me. He's given me a passion for the loss that I've never had. I have a purpose now. I have a passion for people that I walk with every day and I talk with every day. I better be sharing the gospel with them. I better be first living my life before them above reproach. Not perfection, but I better be intentionally concerned about what I say and what I do and how I live, and I better be concerned about my small choices because they're watching my small choices. They're seeing them all. And then they're making a judgment against me as to, should I listen to that man? Does he have anything worth listening to? Because I see such diversity in his life. I see such a wavering in his life. I see such a, I'll do it when it makes me look good, and I won't do it when it doesn't make me look good strategy. And you know, that's not appealing to people. People see through that. They see through the facades of people. They see through the things that we think we're really good at hiding. (laughs) So this morning, I just want to ask you this morning, where are you with Jesus? Are you truly, authentically following this King of Kings? Jackie, would you just come and play a little bit? We're going to wrap up here quickly. But I just want to ask the question. I don't want to belabor it. But I want you to know that now is the time. Today is the day. If there's anything in your heart right now that's fluttering fast, if you need to say, Jesus, I'm sorry, Would you do it, please? Would you do what you need to do to make your life right with the Lord? You can begin today, no matter what you did yesterday, no matter how bad you were, or no matter what your intentions were yesterday, the beautiful thing about the gospel of God's word is that it begins today. If you can hear this, 
if you have any passion, if you have any emotion, if you have anything within you that's stirring up within you right now, that's the Holy Spirit drawing a man or a woman. It's the Holy Spirit saying, and I don't care if you're 95 years old or if you're 5 years old. It doesn't make any difference. The Holy Spirit's drawing is the same for all men. This morning, if you need to say, I'm sorry for anything, that's the question. Would you stand with me? And when you stand up and when you're stable, would you close your eyes so you don't fall down? And would you just bow your heart and bow your heads and just do a little self-examination of your heart right now and say, Jesus, what's going on in me? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way within me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Lead me, Jesus, to the place that brings me peace. Lead me to the place that brings me in right standing with you and right relationship with you. Now what's most important about this type of a time is that you take some inventory of yourself. And yes, I could have you raise your hand and yes, I could have you come to the altar and we could make a big hoopla. But what's more important is that you get serious with Jesus in your heart and that you determine today I'm going to be different tomorrow. You're going to, put, you're going to start tomorrow with the end in mind and the end is I want to be pleasing to the Lord like I've never been pleasing to Him before. I might have to change a lot. I may have to change a little. But we all can change something to be more pleasing to our God, our Father. Let's pray. Jesus, we submit ourselves to you now under the grace that you've given to us. God, not by your hard work of legalism, not by your hard work of doing things you aren't giving us the ability to do, but because you love us so much, you're giving us the standard by which we need to live by, and that standard is the Word of God. So God, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray that we would take this and we would take it seriously and we would digest it and we would, we would eat it and we would just let it become who we are. And God, that our little choices would become significantly purposeful to pleasing you. Forgive us, Jesus. Forgive me. Forgive everyone here that's praying this prayer with me. Lord, that they are also asking for forgiveness in their life. God, that they will be ready, that I will be ready to move forward now in a new sense because of a new and a deeper relationship with you. We thank you, Jesus, for your love. We thank you for your mercies. We thank you for your grace. Now go with us this week, Lord, and help us to live it out. Help us to walk it out. Give us the power to make the choices tomorrow and the next day and the next day. God, help us not to go back on this. Help us not to look backwards, but help us to look forward intentionally look forward, God, to what you want to continue to work out in our life. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.